This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data, and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Jessica Bichego, CMO at Paired. Jessica, welcome to the Business of Us podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Terrific. Thank you for coming. All right. Um, every app marketer, every brand that launches a mobile app is focused or should be on its growth. We've decided to invite on the show somebody who has years and years of experience in app growth to talk about what we call 60 shades of app growth. But first, <laughs> let's kick off with talking about you, Jessica. Tell us about your background in app marketing. Of course, uh, I love the name though. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've been working in mobile for the past uh, eight years and in marketing for the past 11 years. Um, my background is more technical. I actually studied computer science, then I switched to, to marketing. Uh, back when I was in Italy, I work in brand and social. Then I came to Berlin, where I live now. Um, I worked in uh, performance marketing, and I loved it. And then I decided to enter in the magic world of mobile. Um, I was in Blinkist for a little bit more than six years. Um, I was leading growth and performance marketing. Um, Blinkist is a mobile app about learning, and that's where I discovered my, my passion for the mobile world and the mobile industry. Not just because it's like an, just an amazing, I think, um, just an, an amazing field because you have to get the attention of the user while they are on the go because that's, you know, our phones is our yeah. device on the go. But also because I actually got to know so many amazing people in the industry. Um, and I don't know, it's like, it feels like family at this point. So yeah, I really loved it. And I was there for a long time. And then in January, I decided to spice up things a bit uh, and I joined Paired as their um, CMO. So switching the gears, as they say. Yes, yeah, it was time. Okay, yeah. Uh, tell me about Paired. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong. Is it about pairing devices via Bluetooth or it's more complicated? <laughs> it's a bit more complicated. <laughs> it's actually about the most complicated thing in the world that is love. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> so completely different so what we do um at paired is that we help um couples in their relationship just to have like a healthier and happier relationship you know there are mm -hmm. so many apps out there that focus on getting people to know each other finding the love yeah. of your life but um when pair started there was actually nothing about keeping this love of your life you know yeah. it's it's already hard to to find someone but what about like taking care of that relationship and that's what we do um so we are a mobile subscription app um active both on ios and android that you use together with your partner so the, the nice and more like interesting thing is that you have to actually pair it with your partner and then you can ask every you can answer everyday questions about your relationship to get to know each other better um, or just like, you know, even if you know each other 100%, but I don't believe, um, it's just mm -hmm. like a nice way to feel connected. You have games, you have quizzes, and you also have content. So I don't know, I've been, I've been a parent now for three months, and it's, it's amazing. I just love the, the vertical we're in. I like that, similar to Blinkist, we are building a completely new vertical. 
and I loved just the, uh, the feedback from the user. Like there was one morning where I received a feedback from this woman that was in a relationship for like eight years. And she mentioned that through paired, she was able, she was really able to reconnect with her partners. And I literally mm-hmm. cried. So I love the idea that this is what we're doing. You know, we're helping people falling in love with each other again and again. That's, that's pretty romantic. Right. And to me, it looks like somebody was thinking about what if I apply mobile app retention to the most important thing in our life, <laughs> love and being connected to each other. So one thing is to be able to get the download, to get the user, and the other thing to retain the user. One thing to be able oh to God. find your soulmate and the other thing to be able to keep up with that soulmate for years and years and build healthy relationships, which is really not easy. Oh my God, so, I love this. And, and there's an app that can help you with that. Like that that almost forgotten slogan, there's an app for that. Yep, there's an app for that too. Oh, oh my God, so, I yeah. just... <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> no, but I just love this. I was like, paired is like, we, that's how we can target uh, people on the mobile world. We can say like, you want to increase your retention rate in your relationship? Use paired. Yep. There you go. I like that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're a copywriter. I love it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just take notes. Okay. Um, he, like I've said, you spent six years of your life helping Blinkist to become a widely popular app that helps so many people around the world to yeah. learn new ideas, right? Then now you've joined forces with Paris. Uh, I believe you are in a good position to be able to compare your experiences working with something well established because over the years obviously Blinkist was where and is a well-established app on the market and on the other end you've been helping to nurture a new app uh, helping it to growth so mm-hmm. let's tell us about your experiences with both how how would you compare your experience working back then and now yeah absolutely so i think um although right now the stages of Blinkist and pair are completely different I think at the time where I joined Blinkist, maybe Blinkist was a little bit more like paired. So at that time, you know, the app was not well known. Um, it was like we, they were building a new a new vertical. It is about like this learning on the go, um, learning about new ideas in a brief amount of time. And this was like a completely new thing. So no one else was doing that. And um, yeah, that was the hard part, to be honest, of selling the product. You have to convince people that it was worth spending X amount of money on like mm-hmm. getting these like key learnings from no fiction books. And I think similar at Paired, we have something like that is more or less the same. We need to convince people that it makes sense to spend X amount of money to um, interact or take care of your relationship. So I think that they are in a similar position, but I think that the difference is probably about the uh, the audience. So I feel mm-hmm. that, you know, Blinkist being about learning, it was like with a more mature audience, if you want, uh, also mainly male, predominantly male. Well, uh, when it comes to paired, um, the audience is completely different because first of all, I feel that it's more of a mass media product in the sense that, you know, everyone is in a relationship and everyone wants to be in a happy relationship. Absolutely. So the, right. the, yeah, I think that the, the addressable market is much bigger. And also what we've seen so far is that the first touch point is usually like um, predominantly women. Um, and so it's like a little bit different in that sense. Um, when it comes to acquisition um, and marketing in general, um, the two companies or the two products are similar because they both rely a lot on paid acquisition. 
Um, this is something actually that I want to change, um, especially at Paired, since I just started and I'm at the beginning and I still can change, is that right. I want to put, since the beginning, an effort on brand marketing, because I feel, especially when it comes to relationship, it's so important that, you know, it's about the motion, it's about stories. And so it's so important that we establish brand, like a strong brand, so that people remember and, and trust us. So that's the main difference that I see. Um, also based on the audience, I see like a big difference when it comes to um, um, when it comes to the way of targeting people and also the channels where they're in. So for example, I mean, we're still like in a small scale, so we haven't really, um, we did not really, let's say, test all the channels that are out there. And I'm really curious and I want to try, try them all, but I'm pretty sure that the channels that are going to work for paired are going to be completely different from the one that are going to go or work for mm -hmm. uh, for Blinkies. For example, something like maybe TikTok would work that didn't work well when at least when I tested it at Blinkies. Um, yeah, I think in general that like, it's a pretty different different environment. I would say. All right. So um, moving on, um, looking at all marketing channels you've just mentioned TikTok um, and. Um, Looking at the old marketing channels that are available to uh, every app marketer at this point, which one do you consider to be the most effective ones? I would agree. I would think probably it would make sense to um, I don't know split up the channels between you know what would you apply to a brand new app that only goes on the market versus mm -hmm. something that is applicable to the app that is already established is you know user based and you're just uh, pouring your efforts mm -hmm. to keep its uh, user base growing. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, there's no such thing as like the best marketing channel. I think it really depends on the product that you are advertising. And maybe there's a channel that works for one app, but doesn't work for the other. Now, there are mm -hmm. still some, say, universal channels that we should all consider. And I mean, for example, paid social, um, Facebook, mainly is one of them and i would say that every you know product especially if it's like if it's like a b2c product that is not too much of an on a niche should uh should test out facebook but i also have the feeling that it works at the beginning but i think once you you reach a certain threshold it's a little bit hard to really scale it be hard be, be, be beyond let's say the budget um and so i think maybe for the well-established app it makes sense to explore more channels to have like more of a diversity um, of different channels. Um, something else that I, I mean, it's just something that I've been working on for many years. So it's one of my favorite channels, you would say, um, is probably paid content. So what is called Albert and Tabula, just because it's like, I established that at, at Blinkist together with my team, of course, and I'm trying to do something similar with, uh, with mm -hmm. Baird, although I, I really realized that it worked for Blinkist mainly due to the amount of publishers on certain topics. I am not sure if it's going to work, you know, for us, and I'm not sure it could work for any other right. um, brand or product. Um, something that I really believe in is definitely influencer marketing. And I think a lot of companies that start too late to do that. Influencer marketing is such a powerful tool, not just for acquisition, but also for brand awareness, because suddenly you put yourself close to big, uh, personalities, influencers, and just it, it tells a lot about your brand and you have people explaining what you do and making it like more of a mainstream product. Um, and for this reason, I think you should exactly. something that 
everyone should do, um, both small companies and big companies. And I think as big companies, probably um, it makes sense to look at into some more, I say, expensive channels like TV or radio. Expensive, not just because of the way you buy them, because you can still buy TV in a cheap way. But I think if you want to have a good TV spot, if you have a have a good radio spot, you need to spend some money. And so I just think that maybe something that you don't want to do in an early stage. Um, and then let me think about some other channels. Well, I mean, I love search, but I was never. So let's say that I have this passion of working for products, mobile products that are building something new. And so the mm -hmm. issue is that then people are not really looking for what you do because they don't even know that, you know, something like that exists. Um, and so the issue that I have with Blinkers that I have with there now is that, yes, you can spend on search, but it's only a limited amount of traffic right. that you're going to get from that. Um, definitely UAC and, and display, it's something important, although I was never able to make it work on a big scale. So I don't know, I, something maybe that I wouldn't start right away with a product. I would probably wait until I make um, Facebook successful. And then I would say the last thing, um, yeah, Apple search ads, just because we were talking about search. Um, I mean, I some, many years ago, they asked me about what I thought in a, about Apple search ads. And I remember not being happy. And I think I'm still at that stage in the sense that it feels like we are just stealing, uh, you know, to competitors or not even competitors somehow to people that are like not really related to us. That's the only way to get volume. And we just protect our brands, but yeah, there's not much to do there as well. So yeah, I would say these are the channels that I can think about. As you, as you see, like, I think it really depends on the audience. It really depends on the product stage. It really depends on how much you're willing to bet and how much money you have on the bank account. Right. So if we're talking about the product that is really new, not only the product new, but the concept behind the product is new. Yeah. So you're not expecting somebody was looking for this stuff, either the um, just Googling up or the, the app stores. Uh, so your efforts will be kind of wasted there if you would be trying to connect using search with the audience which has no idea that your product exists that it's actually possible like in your case mm -hmm. that there's an app that can help you to improve your relationships but on the other hand influencer marketers people who already have established audience people who trust what they have to say and this can be your way of inter introducing the product to this new audience and then mm -hmm. later on you can pick up on the uh, paid acquisition um so kind of uh, think about how how well your product is like how novel the concept behind the product yeah exactly. okay so uh yeah we we mentioned tiktok briefly but let's dive in a little bit uh you know tiktok was launched back in june 2020 i still remember the article in TechCrunch that said that it's there, uh, like uh, it was kind of obvious uh, move on the TikTok's part, you know, the monetization of the platform. We're sitting in uh, late March, 2022, and uh, obviously the platform should mature somehow by this point. Do you have any idea of its efficiency, probably your own experience or kind of a telltale experience from somebody else, case studies for other ad marketers? 
Um, it's a good question. So um, I don't know much about TikTok. I open, so TikTok for me is like this question mark platform. I open it like once a month, I get lost in it. I, I watch like a thousand of videos about dogs usually. Then I close it again and I forget about it. So I don't really understand it so much. And I found that a lot of the videos that they propose to me, so they're not probably aligned with, you know, what I love. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of like young people dancing and that's probably, I'm not really into that. Um, although I think that also they're trying to get better. So I, I see that now the recommendation engine that they have is getting a little bit better. So kudos to them. When it comes to you, it comes about like using them for acquisition. Um, I, I, I tried in the past uh, at Blinkist. I don't remember... I don't remember it working and I don't know if maybe now they're doing it. So I, I don't, I really don't know. It's something definitely they were looking into um, at paired. I just have the feeling that it's still a little bit, I don't know. It's not so um, ready, let's say for big advertiser to invest in it. And I have the feeling that it's still more of an editorial or a content based platform where you can do a lot where it comes to influencer marketing. So actually we collaborate mm -hmm. with different uh, content creators. But um, yeah, in terms of advertising, I've never seen it super successful unless it's about like, I know that for example, for dating apps, it can work. So definitely we're going to try it. Um, we're not about dating, but like it's something similar. I just like, I never heard about someone building their brand or like their company, ex like especially through TikTok. So I don't have experience with that. But when it comes to like being there from an editorial point of view, it definitely makes sense, especially because, I mean, there are a lot of people talking about love um, and relationship. It just feels that maybe, and I, I mean, this is really personal. It feels that maybe more young people are on TikTok while on Instagram, maybe they're all like older people, older, I mean, like 30, 40. Yeah, um, right. yeah exactly. But I have the feeling that maybe you go to TikTok if you want to have fun and you want to go to Instagram if you want to get more information. So I don't know. I think it really, really depends on the kind of audience you want to reach there. But we will definitely gonna gonna try it out. Yeah, actually, what you're saying resonates with my thinking that uh, there's not always a way to build the connection between your product and uh, what kind of information people are expecting, like. On Instagram at this point, it's grown to that scale where it's hardly possible to pick up something that it's not being presented there. And people are like, yeah, you, you, you may encounter some, you know, a very technical specific app, which we will be having a hard time to present the, the Instagram. But for the most part, the bulk of the apps uh, that are out there, you can actually uh, promoting them on LinkedIn would make sense because there is an audience that she can reach out. With TikTok, uh, you know, those these, these two camps, people are talking about, you know, uh, forget about for kids only, they're old generation of this platform. But, you know, there's a, such a thing as a perception uh, on a bigger scale. For the most people, TikTok mm -hmm. still for the younger generation. Yeah, there is a significant part of people of, um, of, you know, millennial age group or older, but the bulk, the mainstream on TikTok still younger folks. So the yeah. stuff that is relevant to them, you can operate in that area. Outside of that area, you will be just, you will be missing, wasting your money. You're, you will not be welcome. 
Yeah. Also, like, I think, um, I mean, again, I opened TikTok once a month, so probably I'm not an expert on this channel. But what I noticed is that there are some brands that appear there, but they are totally not ready for TikTok or they approach TikTok like it's Instagram. And you can see it right away because it's like, it looks like, I don't know, it's just boring. It's just boring content. I think if you are there, you just need to like, it's almost like you have to dress yourself up with TikTok. So mm -hmm. you need to use kind of a different tone of voice, different images, different way to edit videos to make it more fun and interact more with the audience. Okay. And a lot of brands, probably they cannot do it because they're like, oh, we have a strong branding. We cannot be like that. But well, if you are there, you cannot be boring. Um, you know, you need to get the attention of people. So yeah, that's, that's what I noticed. Great. Now, uh, what are your thoughts about how Apple's AT&T framework and recent Google's privacy sandbox have changed app marketing? What is your assessment of their impact? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's like, I mean, everyone is talking about that, I guess. Um, for me, it was a bit weird because I, I went on maternity leave uh, in uh, March or February last year, you know, and I remember joining back this January and finally mm -hmm. about like everything that has changed. And I mean, I knew that this thing was happening. We, we were all talking before, we were all preparing. My entire team has been studying for months about like this change and what that would mean for the campaigns. But I think, yeah, until the moment came, like everyone was like, exactly. yeah, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. You're going to be um, fine, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think when I started, it was so it was so funny because I remember being in the room with my, you know, with the founder of Baird and, uh, and I'm like, okay, can you get me this data? And he's like, um, no, you don't have this data anymore. Like, what do you mean you don't have this data anymore? Like, I almost forgot about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, it makes everything a bit more complicated. And I think as a user perspective, I mean, I really, you know, value that these companies are giving more power to the user. There's more like privacy. From a marketeer point of view, it's a shame, right? Not to have all this data at your disposal. But uh, at the same time, I think, you know, um, it was a good kind of shake in the in the app mo uh, mobile industry because a lot of players like that maybe has been there for like ages, they didn't know exactly how to react. And maybe other players um, were, were able actually to use this to spend even more. Um, I give the example of Fair just because I could recently joined. In our case, we were actually able to keep spending in the usual channels. Um, for example, on Facebook, we were never really dependent uh, on lookalikes audiences. And so in that case, it didn't have like a huge impact when it comes to targeting. Of course, we had to make some changes in the, in the way we manage our campaigns and the bidding system, but from a targeting point of view, nothing really changed. But I know that any, uh, like a lot of other players, they had difficulties because they were only targeting lookalike and suddenly lookalikes are not working because Facebook doesn't have enough data um, to really bring qualified audiences. So again, I think it was good because it just made things new. And if you were like fast enough, and if you have the willingness to like, you know, try new things, um, it was actually an opportunity kind of like to do marketing in a different way. So again, I'm not, I'm not worried. And I think that we, from a data point of view, all of us, we are raising the bar and we're trying like mm -hmm. to get a better system to understand, uh, you know, if something is working or not. Also, I mean, probably you've heard about this, but like, Recently, I've heard a lot of marketeers talking about brand or like brand performance. And when you talk about like brand marketing, it's really hard to measure, you know, especially if you do like brand awareness campaigns, it's always a bit hard to measure the impact right away of certain campaigns. 
I think mm. that, you know, ATT moved us back on looking at the overall spend and the overall revenue coming from a product rather than like the specific campaign that single created. So it moved away from the details in order for us to look at the big picture. And I think that is like super good and really aligned with this that attention to brand and brand awareness that we see in the market. So yeah, overall, not too bad. Right. So if you were relying on lookalike and that was your kind of a one of the features of Facebook ads that kind of relaxed uh, you overall because you were relying on a huge amount of data that Facebook was able to provide you. And probably at some point you were less concentrated, less innovative in how we can find more users more efficiently. Um, now we can kind of back to the drawing board and uh, get back to the basics. How do you connect your brand? What's the message? Who are the people who are connecting your brand yeah. with? Uh, how do you, um, like, w- w- what's in your brand for, for these people? How, how um, it's, um, it's, always, it's, it's always a good idea not to rely on a big platform uh, for the performance of your campaign solely uh, relying on, yeah. um, okay, this is a big, big platform. I should just, uh, you know, be in the mercy of, What's going to be next? Uh, well, if it's a great feature, that's awesome. That was the lookalike for a while. It was great. Nobody was yeah. looking at the feature from the other angle. Nobody was trying to, nobody thought that there's a flip side from in that coin, but there was and there is. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah, definitely not doom and gloom. Definitely people can survive through these times. And uh, you're just proving with Parity on, on, on your own uh, company that that's doable and you can still... Yeah. Um, use, use uh, Facebook ads just perfectly. Exactly, exactly, I agree. And I also really agree with like, not uh, depending too much on what platform is that is something that, I mean, I always end up when I join a company seeing that some platforms are just spending more than the others. And that's mm-hmm. usually my number one goal to just like change that. So you have like a more evenly distribution because you just don't want to depend on one player because you never know what happens, right? Exactly. Now, um, from the hate of your nine plus years in digital marketing. What would you say to these crazy people who are crazy enough to go to app marketing today? What would be your message for them to be focused on uh, probably some mistakes to avoid or what mm. is your message? Run away. <laughs> no. I mean, first of all, uh, I would say just not avoid mistakes because I mean, as you know, I also have a podcast about mistakes. Um, I really think that mistakes is the way for us to learn. Um, and it's normal, like you're going to make tons of them. That's okay. And I think, you know, the budget that you're managing is not wasted um, if you're learning something. So that's the most important thing. From everything that you do, you should be able to learn something. But yeah, from from a suggestion point of view, like what can I say? Um, I think, you know, I entered the mobile world just, uh, I mean, only six, seven years ago when I joined Blinkist. Only. Before right. that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so young um and uh, i think before that i mean i had experience with mobile but it was mainly focused on that stuff and uh, of course i had to do to study i had to learn and i remember the first thing that i did it was like to just understand where were the pete the experts on the mobile world it was conferences and i started to join all these conferences um, and I was able to build a network of people, of really talented people that helped me so much to learn. My suggestion for people entering into this world is like, 
like get make sure that you have a good network around you go to conferences talk to people don't be shy and really ask other people because that's the best way to learn like i I mean, I, sometimes I have these like people that reach out to me and they're like, can you suggest like a class somewhere about like mobile marketing? But it, it's so hard to just, you know, give people one class that can tell you everything. There's so many, there's so much content out there, but I think the best way is just like learn from the people. So go to conferences, um, look at maybe like videos from conferences and, and try to grasp there um, some learnings. That would be my, my best advice. And when it comes to platform, I would say, I mean, what you say before, so you are giving them suggestion. Don't rely on just one channel. Make sure that you build kind of a symphony of different channels. Um, make sure that you don't depend too much on paid acquisition as well, because we know that it can be a trap. And at some point, there's only, there's only like, there's not enough, how do you say, um, you always need to think about what you can do beyond just the pure paid acquisition, because at a certain point, your prices will will start going up a lot and you need something else right and uh and i will say also the data side of it i mean i'm i have a computer science degree so i come from like a technical background and i'm really lucky and thankful for that good choice good choice um but i would say you know especially now when this were like you really cannot do anything if you're not like skilled on the data side so make sure that you do these are the classes that you can do the classes mm -hmm. about data like how to build dashboards how to analyze data statistics and so on and so forth. This is definitely something that will be useful for the future. Right. So uh, to the best of my knowledge, I cannot think of any curriculum in a university that would specifically teach people at marketing even today. Yeah. So this is something you should learn your, on, on your own. But having a good background in data science is always helpful. And oh, yes. at marketing is not an exception. So yeah. we're not suggesting people specifically do mistakes. But if you do, do not worry. Don't, don't sweat on that. This is yeah. your chance to learn something new. There's the only way you can avoid doing any mistakes, just sitting and doing nothing. The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now back to the show. All right. Um, now let's switch the gears and we're at the second part of the show where I get a chance to ask pretty much every guest on this show just a couple of quick questions. So people who are listening to this show will be able to know my guest a little bit better. Here we go. Thanks. Question number one. Uh, by the way, what is your smartphone in your pocket right now? What smartphone do you use? And have you been switching between iOS and Android or uh, one platform all the time iphone 13 and uh i would say uh, no i was always nice. i mean i had uh, i had the usual nokia 3310 at some point at the beginning uh but i think <laughs> i've been with apple for like um ages right now um i really really enjoy that and i think it would be hard actually to to switch to another device at the moment I hear you. I hear you. Um, now imagine for a quick second, for a split second, you've left your smartphone at home. What would be the most missing feature for you when you're out of home? Well, definitely Google Maps because I'm really bad at this thing. So I would, I would get lost for sure. Uh, beyond Google Maps, I would say everything that is related to content. Um, so I love to, I love audio, uh, mm -hmm. for sure. 
and and so I think I would probably miss the podcast app or maybe maybe Audible as well. Just like you know the the stuff that I use to entertain, um, right. and also Instagram. I spend tons of time on Instagram though. Instagram stories are like you know my my little secret. Got you. All right. Um, before I let you go, just very very final question, which is this. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Of course. I think LinkedIn is the best uh, way to reach out to me. Uh, please just make sure that if you add me, you send me a note as well. Uh, otherwise, I may just skip it. Um, you can also listen to my podcast, Mobile Growth Nightmares with Andy Carvel. Or you can also find me on Instagram. My nickname is Mini Glue. And if you ask me, I will, if you reach out to me, I'll tell you why I have this nickname. That's awesome. Thank you. For, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Jessica. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And that was Jessica Bichego, CMO at Paired. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, well, anywhere. Just Google for Business of Apps and you will be able to find us easily. And remember, we list episodes every Monday. So subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on any device you're using to listen to a podcast. And please remember, you can always leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And just one more thing, all episodes will be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.